Oh, 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Oh, yeah, 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 
Did 
נשב המסובים, ואימא מגישה את הג'חנון והביצים, ואבא יברך עם צאת השבת לנר ולבשמים, נפשי מייחלה, ואבא יברך עם צאת השבת לנר ולבשמים.
המחלוקת הבאה, שירים שקטים של יוסי גרין. מגיע לו, מגיע לו, בהחלט. Oh, oh, oh. 
J.M. in the A.M. Avram, Avram Free with that Yassi Green medley. You heard B'Shem Hashem done by Aryeh Kunstler. Yoel Sharabi, Be'erev Shabbat. Eitan Katz with the Lechadodi Nigun uh, that he calls the breast of Lechadodi off of Live in Jerusalem, Volume 2. Ritzay, that was from Aish, and of course, Regesh. Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Friday on this September the 11th of 2020, 19 years later. We remember the thousands who were killed by the enemy. Mostly in New York City, of course, some in Washington and Pennsylvania, you remember. 19 years ago today, and I was saying to someone that uh, in some ways it seems like yesterday, and in some ways it seems like so long ago, to say the least. Tonight, in fact, I guess because of a 19-year anniversary, tonight, in fact, is the yard site of those who perished in 9-11. The 23rd of Elul, which again begins tonight, is the official yard site 19 years on the Jewish calendar tonight, 19 years on the secular calendar right now uh, for the thousands of uh, victims uh, in New York, Washington, and Pennsylvania of the uh, dastardly acts by the enemy on that day that will live in infamy forever. Uh, the year is 5780, but not for long. A week from tonight, it's the brand new year. We're looking forward to a brand new year with brand new blessings, brand new wonderful things, brand new great news. Uh, hoping that we can get past this um, very difficult pandemic to deal with on many different levels. And our brothers and sisters in Israel, as many of you know, are going through a really, really rough time right now. And we hope and pray that all that changes very, very quickly. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Nitzavim, and Vayelech, a double Parsha with candle lighting at 6.50 here in New York. 6.50, make sure you know when things start where you are. And Slichos in the Ashkenazi community will begin late tomorrow night, early Sunday morning. In the Sephardic community, of course, it has been going on since uh, the beginning of Elul. 73 degrees with 90% humidity, winds in north at 9 miles per hour. Morning showers, mix of sun and clouds with a high of 77. Then tonight, clear skies, a low 61. Uh, tomorrow, partly cloudy and a high temperature for Shabbos, 73 degrees. 89 in Yerushalayim, 73 degrees here in New York. As we say good morning at JM in the AM. Plenty to talk about. We've got our weekly update happening about an hour from now with Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We've heard a lot in the news about Portland, Oregon. The Chabad Rabbi of Portland is going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour this morning. Uh, the, uh, the Chabad in Portland is a victim of arson in a city that's gone crazy. For those of you who are watching the news, you know exactly what I mean. We'll get his perspective on things. Rabbi Wilhelm from Portland Chabad coming up in the 8 o'clock hour here at JM in the AM. Weekly update, Rabbi Yudin, Harry Rothenberg, lots of stuff going on on a Friday morning broadcast. Uh, Mark Zomik put together an amazing hour of Shabbos show. I did hear it early this morning, in fact. Uh, many of you heard it last night. Some of you will hear it later today starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time. 
Yet another great theme and another great show, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem and hosted by Mark Zomik. There is no reason to touch your radio dial between now and candle lighting, and that is an understatement. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM, Ari Goldwag at the Nahum Siegel Network. Da 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 da
Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, on this Parsha's Nitzavim and Vayelech. That was Medad Tassa with Bachatuna. Eishas Chayel done by Simcha Lainer. You heard Joey Newcomb in there with the Erev Shabbos, Nigun. Ari Goldwag opened, opened up the set with Yeshli HaKol, that brand new one here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio 
Um, Around the world in the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. I think, the, I think the last time I forgot the ID, actually forgot the words in the ID, was the show we did from uh, the NCSY summer program in Teaneck just over about a month ago. That was a funny episode, I remember. Uh, anyway, it's Friday morning on this September the 11th, 19 years since the uh, murder of thousands of our fellow Americans by the enemy. Tonight is the yard site of those who perished on September the 11th. Tonight is the 23rd of Elul. Erev Shabbos, two parashios, Nitzavim and Vayelach, candlelighting at 6.50 here in New York. Slichus for the Ashkenazi community begins tomorrow night, Sunday morning. Keep that in mind. Malcolm Holmline, about 40 minutes from now with the weekly update, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, and plenty more on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Galitzal in the background, Galitzal, Israel Army Radio. 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. גליצל השעה שתיים, צהריים טובים, כאן גוני כהן עם מה שקורה עכשיו. בעקבות ההחלטה על סגר בחגים, בעלי העסקים מאיימים לא נציית להנחיות. תומר מור, מנכ"ל מסעדנים חזקים ביחד, אומר, אם לא יוצג מתווה פיצויים הולם, נילחם על חיינו ונפתח את המסעדות במתכונת הקיימת. גם פורום ענף הכושר בישראל מאיים בפתיחת המכונים בניגוד להחלטת ועדת השרים, בטענה שלא יוכלו לשרוד סגר נוסף. ועד סוחרי שוק מחנה יהודה פנה הבוקר לראש הממשלה בבקשה להחריג את הסוחרים מהסגר בחגי תשרי. סגר ייאלץ בעלי עסקים רבים להיפרד ממפעל חייהם, נכתב בפנייה. לא ניתן לזה לקרות. וביום ראשון תכריע הממשלה על מועד תחילת הסגר, בשלישי או בשישי, ערב ראש השנה. לנוכח הביקורת הציבורית על ההחלטה להטיס את ראש הממשלה ומשפחתו במטוס נפרד לטקס החתימה על ההסכם עם איחוד האמירויות, לשכת נתניהו הודיעה, ראש הממשלה יטוס לוושינגטון עם המשלחת כולה במטוס מרווח יותר, עם סידורי הפרדה מחמירים כדי לשמור על בריאותו. עוד צוין בהודעה כי ההחלטה התקבלה על מנת שלא להסיט את תשומת הלב הציבורית מהסכם השלום ההיסטורי. כתבתנו מוריה אסרה וולברג מזכירה כי ביום ראשון צפוי ראש הממשלה להמריא לוושינגטון. המשטרה איתרה לפני שעה קלה את ההורים שלקחו את בנם התינוק מבית החולים זיו בצפת כשהוא במצב של סכנת חיים כתוצאה מחתך משמעותי באזור הפין ושק האשכים. כתבנו גיא ורון מוסר שלדברי ההורים שהותרו ליד היישוב לבנים הסמוך לטבריה הם היו בדרכם למרכז הרפואי פוריה להמשך טיפול. המשטרה ליוותה אותם לבית החולים. התפרצות הקורונה בעזה. משרד הבריאות של חמאס מדווח על 80 נדבקים חדשים שאובחנו ביממה האחרונה, ובכך עולה מספר החולים הפעילים בעזה ליותר מ-1,500. כתבנו דורון קדוש מוסר כי בבית החולים בעזה נפטרה אישה בת 83 לאחר שנדבקה בנגיף, ובכך מגיע מניין הנדבקים המתים מקורונה בשטחי הרצועה לאחד עשר. בכיר הרשות הפלסטינית סעיב עריקאת מבהיר כי העובדה שהליגה הערבית לא קיבלה את ההצעה הפלסטינית לגנות את הסכם הנורמליזציה בין ישראל לאיחוד האמירויות, אין פירושה שהיא מעניקה הכשר, לגיטימציה, להחלטה. בריאיון לרדיו פלסטיני אמר עריקאת, הייתה מחלוקת בנוגע לגינוי של המהלך, אך אין הסכמה גורפת עם הצעד של איחוד האמירויות, נחכה לראות מי ישתתף בטקס החתימה בוושינגטון. עוד ציין עריקאת כי ההסכם מכה קשה, כלשונו. 
מזג האוויר עדיין חם מהרגיל עד שרבי בהרים ובפנים הארץ והביל במישור החוב, עומס חום כבד עד קיצוני ימשיך לשרור ברוב חלקי הארץ. אלה החדשות. Thank you. 
JM in the AM. David Dardashti with Shalom Aleichem to open up the uh, 7 o'clock hour. Erev Shabbos Parshas Nitzavim and Vayelech with candlelighting in New York at 6.50. Ashkenazi community start. Sorry about that. We'll get to that song eventually. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Ashkenazi community says Slichas tomorrow night, Sunday morning. The Sephardic community has been saying since uh, the beginning of Elul, of course. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, 73 degrees, morning showers, a mix of sun and clouds, and a high of 77. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, coming up at 740 on this 9-11 of 2020, 19 years later, to uh, talk about the weekly update, the news of the week. Tonight is the yard site of those who perished in 9-11, the 23rd of Elul. And... Um, We'll discuss the news of the day with Malcolm. Rabbi Yudin, of course, will be coming up. Also, we're going to check in with Ari Wilhelm, who's the rabbi at Chabad in Portland. Uh, his Chabad has been uh, the victim of arson in a city that's gone nuts, for those of you who are watching carefully the news of the day. So we will uh, speak with him coming up. He'll be getting up early for us in the 8 o'clock hour this morning here at JM in the AM. Oh, by the way, Matis has announced that Rabbi Ruven Spolter, who is the founder of Kita, Rabbi Ruven Spolter, who is the founder of Kita, is going to be uh, Matis's guest at 8.20 a.m. Eastern Time this coming Sunday on JM Sunday. So make sure to be tuned in. 8.20 in the morning, Rabbi Ruven Spolter, the founder of Kita, joins Matis Wine Guest this coming Sunday. Big shout out to our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms in Queens, casinofarms.com. Aaron's West Orange in New Jersey, Aaron'sWestOrange.com. Whatever you need for the upcoming holiday, and remember the brand new year starts a week from tonight. Uh, you'll want an amazing shopping experience with great specials and everything under one roof when it comes to kosher food and all the items you need to prepare for Yontif. Uh, again, Aaron's Casino Farms, CasinoFarms.com. They're in Queens. Stop by if you're in that area. Aaron's West Orange, Aaron'sWestOrange.com. They're in New Jersey. If you're near West Orange, New Jersey, stop by that area. Both incredible supermarkets, a perfect way to get set for Rosh Hashanah 5781. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best. And right now, their hot dogs are available at every Trader Joe's in the United States of America. Check out A&H today. You'll be glad you did. Oh, trust me, you and your guests We'll be glad you did. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Harry Rothenberg, and I want to thank the Rothenberg Law Firm and wish them a happy, healthy, and sweet new year. Injurylawyer.com, injurylawyer.com. To all the Rothenbergs, we say a happy, healthy, and sweet new year. Uh, Harry Rothenberg has a, a piece on the Parshas Nitzavim and Vayelech. Here it is for you on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. At the end of this week's Torah portion, Moses, Moshe, looks into the future with God's help, and he tells the Jewish people that I know, after my death, you're going to stray. But Rashi, the greatest of the biblical commentators, points out that we see later that the Jews did not begin to stray after Moshe's death. They only began to stray after the death of Moshe's disciple, Joshua, Yehoshua. So if Moshe was able to gaze into the future with God's help, why didn't he say, I know you're going to stray after the death of my disciple, Yehoshua? 
Why did he say after my death? And Rashi answers that question with a beautiful lesson. Because, he explains, to a teacher, his disciple is as precious as his own self. So as long as Yehoshua was alive, Moshe, up in heaven, felt that he too was still alive. In the Talmud, the sages make a statement in a similar vein. They say that if you tell over a Torah thought or lesson that you heard from someone before their death, that person's lips move in the grave. I'm not sure if that's meant to be taken literally, but what an incredibly powerful image. And the sages say further, who is a wise person? Someone who can learn from anyone. Sometimes it's easy. You're in a class with a great sage or professor. As long as you're paying attention, you'll learn something. But other times you have a brief meeting. You just pass by someone of nondescript personality or profession or both. More difficult then to tease out a lesson. But if you're wise, you can do that. And there's another lesson built into that statement of the sages. Because if everyone has the potential to be a wise person, which we all do have, and we can all learn something from every person, then that means that you can teach something to every single person in the world. Maybe you have some life hack that you can teach to many different people. Or maybe you have all sorts of different things that you can teach to different people, depending on their degree of sophistication or experience or age. You can teach chess. Hold up. Y'all don't know how to play chess, do you? And look, I'll teach y'all if y'all wanna learn. And look, check it, it's simple. See this? This the king pen, all right? And he the man. You get the other dude's king, you got the game. And he trying to get your king too, so you got protected. And you see this? This the queen. She's smart, she's fierce. Or even better, you could teach Torah. You could teach morals. You could teach manners. You could teach midos, good character traits. You could teach patience, you could teach respect, you could teach honesty, you can teach kindness. And when your disciples, when your students start learning your lessons and modeling them and then teaching them to others, you, congratulations, have just taken a big gulp from the fountain of youth. You've extended your life throughout the lifespan of your students. Oh, yo. 
Jam in the AM with Shira Lamelech done by Leif Tahar. You heard Yehuda Green before that. That was Mim Komcha Salachti Micha Gammerman with uh, words very appropriate for this time of year here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Parashas Nitzavim and Vayelech, a double parasha tomorrow. Malcolm Holmline coming up about 10 minutes from now. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Candle lighting at 6.50. In the New York area, make sure you know when things start where you are. Slichus in the Ashkenazi community, late tomorrow night, early Sunday morning. That's when it'll begin, and uh, we'll have it for two weeks. The Sephardi community's had it for a while already. Uh, remember, if you're looking for a job or know somebody who's looking for a job, resume at nahumsegel.com. Send us your resume. Anything in the uh, Jewish not-for-profit professional realm we will send off to our friends at the Joel Paul Group. Everything else will try our hardest to find a job for you. Again, it's resume at NahumSiegel.com, resume at NahumSiegel.com. And yesterday, somebody at a major corporation contacted us uh, with a job opening, and we're able to make at least a couple of recommendations of resumes to look at regarding that opening. So please, if you know of a job that's open, feel free to email us. Let us know about it. Uh, resume at NahumSiegel.com. And if you have a resume or know somebody who's looking for a job, resume at NahumSiegel.com. Simple as that. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, NahumSiegel Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. I want to thank those who've commented already this morning on our app. Much appreciated. I want to thank those who are supporting our Rosh Hashanah campaign. Many people have already gotten the uh, campaign in the mail. You're familiar with the fact that we are... Uh, encouraging everybody to give now during 2020, this time of year before the brand new year, uh, to our campaign and keep us going here at the Alchem Siegel Network. Uh, easiest way to do it, fjbunity.org. fjbunity.org, easiest way to support us and to um, help keep us going, and we greatly appreciate that. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM. Our Elul Sofer blowing takes place around this time each and every day. We uh, normally have it right after Rabbi Goldwasser, Sunday through Thursday. But on Friday morning, we play it around this time because, after all, it is the month of Elul. And each day except for Shabbos and Erev Rosh Hashanah, uh, we have our Elul Sofer blowing right here at JM in the AM. Thank you. 
Jam in the AM, Mordechai Shapiro, Einanachnu Maspikim. Before that, you heard the uh, Moishi Tischler selection, Misrat Sebarachamim. Perfect for this time of year. And uh, the Elul Shofar blowing, of course, which we do except for uh, Erev Rosh Hashanah and on Shabbos. Other than that, we uh, blow Shofar every day during the month of Elul. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, anniversary of 9 11, 19 years since. Uh, the enemy uh, murdered thousands of our fellow American citizens in New York, Washington, and Pennsylvania. Tonight is the yard site on the Jewish calendar, right? 19 years. So tonight is the yard site. 23rd of Elul is tonight the, uh, on the Jewish calendar, the yard site of those who perished on 9-11. Candle lighting at 6.50 here in New York. Slichas for the Ashkenazi community begins late tomorrow night, early Sunday morning. And the brand new year is a week from tonight, believe it or not. A week from tonight is the brand new year. That is hard to believe, trust me. Uh, but we've got it going. We've got the uh, brand new year set to roll one week from tonight, and let's hope it's a year of blessings and peace and and uh, more of what we're used to compared to what we've gotten used to over the last few months. Uh, check out our friends at jewishworldreview.com, jewishworldreview.com. Uh, that's an amazing resource if you want to print out thousands of articles about Israel and Jewish world before Shabbos and then really educate yourself uh, over the uh, the restful and peaceful Shabbat. Uh, JewishWorldview.com is the site. Again, Jewish World Review. Check it out and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Friday morning, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, on JM in the AM for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, good morning to you. Good Erev Shabbos. Appreciate that. It's, you know, it's, Erev Slichas. Yeah. yeah, for us, it's an interesting anniversary because this spot, we, we used to speak often and very much appreciated uh, on this show, but 19 years ago uh, when this happened and the uh, enemy uh, decided to... Uh, uh, to murder thousands of our fellow Americans, uh, you and I decided that we would do this literally on a weekly basis to keep track and, and help the listeners keep track of all the news items that were going on, whether it had to do with Islamic fundamentalism, with terrorism, with with everything that the world was thrown into on that day. So for us, a uh, you know a little bit of a uh, infamous anniversary, but in fact, it was 19 years ago, almost literally today, uh, that we started this segment on a weekly basis. On Friday mornings, and as I pointed out, tonight is in fact the yard site on the Jewish calendar because we do have brothers and sisters from our community who perished that day. Uh, tonight is the yard site on the Jewish calendar, the twenty-third of Elul. Nineteen years later, it, for for many, and I I debated this with myself at the beginning of the show this morning on the air. For many, it seems like yesterday, and for many, it seems like wow, so long ago. And I'm sure you feel a little mixture of both, right? I do feel both, and and it's true that uh, we started doing this Friday segment, but we had been doing it already for several years before that. Um, So people who feel like uh, they've been listening to us for decades, (laughs) it's true. true. (laughs) And for for many of those uh, prior sessions, we warned about a lot of these things. And, you know, people don't necessarily want to hear it. And I know that sometimes they they say, well, it's it. They don't want to hear the bad news. They don't want to hear it. But if you don't face reality, and if people don't use this occasion again to reflect on uh, how dangerous the situation is today, with the the, you know, the number of arrests and trials that go on against Islamist terrorists here in the United States, still gets very little attention. The infrastructure that they built gets very little legal attention. The uh, influx of of funds or the uh, organizing and you know individual cases then get get reported 
but the danger still exists, and it's it's here. It's in the United States. It's around the world. Uh, we we somehow reflect on it more with the trial now of uh, Mrs. Halimi's killer and the fact that he's getting off because of some ridiculous French court ruling that he he was under the influence of of drugs or something when he has a long history of these anti-Semitic harassment of Mrs. Halimi, and you have the. Um, the anniversary of the Charlie Hebdo and the Kasher right. uh, place to, today, and the um, uh, this week in the trial. I mean, the trial beginning uh, this week of the of the murderers. So people should not become complacent. It's important to remember. We should have to 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 take the time today to recall all of those who were nifter and you know there there were I think it couldn't count eight hundred Jews wow. even though there were all sorts of rumors that the Jews got advance notice and they yeah, were out and that those conspiracy theories by the way still hold we still yeah. we still see it and uh, I don't know if you saw I mean how perverse some of our enemies are I- Iran is order is is organizing uh, because of the Charlie Hebdo publication reproducing the uh, cartoons that they considered an insult to Muhammad, um, they're organizing another Holocaust cartoon exhibit. And they're inviting people from all over the world to submit. And, I mean, that's the way that they that they take revenge on what this magazine, which has nothing to do with the Jewish community or, or the Holocaust um, at all. And the you know the dangers that are there as we as we come to Rosh Hashanah, we have a lot to think about. Obviously, the the Corona takes the first precedence, but there's so many uh, serious challenges. And you know we see the anti-Semitism, even though there are no campuses, uh, many campuses are closed. We see the plans on the BDS front here at home. We see the the military exercises that are going on with Russia, China joining Russia in exercises in Russia with Pakistan and Armenia and a bunch of countries. We have the Iranians doing new naval uh, exercises. You have joint ones of of countries in in the Gulf and elsewhere. It's you know it's a very challenging time, and that's why it's important that people stay on top of everything right now to register and then to vote and make their voices heard if they really care about what the future will be. In the aftermath of 9-11, 19 years ago today, you know that um, uh, America took an even more keen interest in uh, uh, in what was going on in the Middle East. I'm not just talking about Israel and its neighbors, but in general, the terror groups that had been uh, formed and had, had been ensconced in some cases uh, in some of the countries in the Middle East. And um, and uh, actions in Iraq, actions in Afghanistan, some of them can directly be tied to 9-11. Others may say there is a relationship with what happened because 9-11 had happened a couple of years earlier, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This week, on this anniversary week, we learn of troop reduction from places like Afghanistan and Iraq. What is your reaction to that? So the the concern here, I understand why we want to withdraw our troops from a lot of places and and lower them in Europe and the, in the Gulf, et cetera. Um, but we we have to look at what uh, the competition is doing, what those who who want to undermine America. And you know, there's a, a formula they say that China's involvement grows as America's involvement decreases. We see them 
involved, though they do it quietly, they don't do it with fanfare, but they have ships engaging in military exercises with the with the Iranians. We see Russia expanding its influence all over the region, and it's it's uh, growing, and not only their military exercises, but they have uh, a presence. They're involved in Libya, they're involved in Syria, they're involved in places where they are trying to drive America out. It's the one thing that unites Iran, Turkey, and and Russia in Syria. And so the perception of an American withdrawal, but America has been engaged of late. We see the celebration that will take place this week, the deal that was arrived at. Uh, but the, the perception, and it's true in the region, that America's um, image, that America's presence has, has somewhat been diminished. Uh, and this is not from now. I'm talking about going back right. for 10, 12 years. Uh, it is it, dangerous because the, the circumstances really are, are pivotal for American security and the interest of our allies. Um, and the and and the Iranians proclaim that America is now in in the, the range of their new uh, missiles, and they threaten us with through their militias in in Iraq. And the answer there is not to withdraw. That if we don't have a presence at a time when there are people in Iraq who are trying to resist the Iranian dominance, uh, it's more important for us to, to show that we're committed and we have a presence. Uh, and we do that in many ways, but I think it's 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 so critical because perception drives what countries will do. It's so, not even the reality; so it's when, the perception of reality. So whenever there's a lull or a a vacuum, even if it's just a perception of a lull or a vacuum, China or Russia or Iran, someone's willing to go ahead and and fill that void, so to speak. So your message to Washington, in all seriousness, especially for those who who think it's not such a bad idea that President Trump has you know, spoken this way, unlike most of the recent presidents, frankly, over the last few decades, uh, in the way he speaks about troop reduction, your message to him would be, if you feel it's a, you know, it, it may be a great idea to do this, but you must be forewarned that what? Like, what would you communicate to him in terms of what the U.S. must be aware of and really, uh, you know, in tune with before they make a move like this? That you have to look at the total picture. And this didn't begin with uh, President uh, Trump. Um, I think the impression was even greater during the Obama years and the earlier years that America was withdrawing from its international commitments, uh, and it's, there was a reality behind it. Um, and this is true now too, in terms of seeing that the our adversaries look look what Turkey is doing to exploit every one of these uh, circumstances and expanding and becoming a second Iran in terms of it being the leader of the extremists in, uh, uh, on the Sunni side and Iran on the, on the Shiite side. And the, the competition, which is only, as I said, the only thing that brings them together is in fighting America. But, you know, Erdogan very proudly proclaims himself as the leader of the Muslim world. Look, you know that on Friday at the prayers at Alaska Mosque, they hold up pictures of Erdogan, wow. and he, he paid for the gold crescent, the new gleaming gold crescent on the top of the Dome in Iraq, that was paid for by Turkey, and he pays for the demonstrations of Al-Aqsa and, and his embrace of Hamas, giving them passports, giving them uh, funding hospitals in Gaza and other projects, uh, but he's trying to, to you know, embrace it and, and to raise 
his profile and his role. I mean, he's an Islamist. He's a Muslim Brotherhood. He sees them as an expression of that. But he, he's the leader, and he's building mosques all over the world. He, he's doing uh, uh, many things. that, and, and all of these guys take advantage of any vacuum or any opportunity. America can't be a policeman for the whole world. We can't do right, everything. But, but, but as the world keeps getting smaller and smaller, it sounds like people who are aware of all this, like yourself, would encourage the United States to, to play that role of policeman. Well, we aren't. We, we just imposed new sanctions on Hezbollah's financiers or enablers in Lebanon. We have put very strong uh, sanctions on Iran, which I think I support fully. I think is very important. Um, we we are working with the countries in the Gulf, which is help bring about what I think is a really remarkable achievement um, that will be marked at the White House on, on Tuesday. Um, I mean, it isn't as if there isn't, and the Secretary of State Pompeo has been a steady presence in a lot of these areas. Um, you know, we, we, we face formidable foes, and the fact that, that the coronavirus and its, um, you know, it, the imposition to displace on us um, are... Uh, are very serious, and, and uh, but you know we see the IEA revealing that that Iran's uranium stockpile is ten times over the limit set by the nuclear deal, and they they're getting access to some of the sites now. But America's put a lot of pressure on them, right. and the you know it's not only military pressure that works. Um, you see that sometimes it's necessary what Israel is doing in Syria, eliminating some of the uh, Iranian arms. And the transshipment uh, of arms. And Iran proclaims, you know, America is now within the range of our bombs and our missiles. America faces um, multiple challenges. The, the area in China, the Asian um, battles, there are just so many fronts. And the Europeans shirk all their responsibilities generally. We see Macron getting involved in Lebanon, but doing, making some mistakes and um, and most of the rest of them really just sitting on the sidelines and not protecting themselves and they're not uh, um, protecting their people. I just wonder if the right-wing pacifists, I'm talking about the journalists and the you know the commentators, the analysts, forget about the right-wing? Yeah, forget about the politicians. I don't, I don't mean, I'm not talking about extreme right-wing, I'm talking about those who are on the you know right side of the aisle, so to speak. Um, and, and forget about the ones who are actually government officials for a moment, because they they have different agendas. But I just wonder if they if, if those who uh, you know who champion the cause of leaving Afghanistan, Iraq, etc. You know, I, I wonder how they would react to this. What would they say when you're describing to them that Turkey's taking over everything and doing so in a really clever way, the way you just described it? Frankly, I mean, finances is always a really good route to go when you're trying to win people over, right? And they have no budget. They have no money. Their economy is is devastated. Their currency is devastated, like Iran. So money isn't necessarily the issue. And they, they deprive their people, as the Iranians do, uh, right. of what they need in order to serve these their megalomaniac uh, goals. Uh, they One sees himself as the leader of the Ottoman Empire, and the other is the Persian Empire, and they're trying to... Each one tries to, to resurrect it. Uh, and you see the consequences. Look what's happened in Beirut. You had another fire in the port. Actually, right. had two in recent, uh, in the last week. Um, but the devastation, they can't come back from it. The, the country is in a very delicate and, and desperate situation. Uh, and yet Hezbollah continues to, to dominate and takes advantage of, of each situation. Um, 
the same thing, and you can go country by country and look at each of these situations, which uh, I, you know I do sometimes on the on the shows that that to try to get people to understand what 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 is at stake. And you know when when we talk about the Straits of Hormuz and the Chinese building bases there, the the Iranians doing the, their exercises and harassing ships, forty percent of the oil coming to the West goes through the Straits of Hormuz. It's not unimportant to to and Russia takes advantage of each situation, whether they they do it in in taking over territory or threatening uh, others, and the the um, all of our those who would challenge us and who want to diminish the American role uh, do the same. So while I understand the limitations, it's a question of assertion of policy and of. Uh, leaving no doubt in the minds of of our enemies where we stand, I think in that regard the administration has done try to do that. But you know, people look at what's what's on the ground, and this is a um, you know we have a multiplicity of challenges that are are very serious. And the truth is that that China really you know. Uh, e- 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 even more than the examples you gave, just just the way they dealt with Hong Kong, you know, and I know there's a jurisdiction there, and it makes it a lot easier for them to to handle things the way they want. Uh, but just that was an indication to the world of what their intention is and what they ideally like to be, frankly, you know, and 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 uh, and if they could could duplicate that type of activity in other places with the void that you're describing that they could fill in the Middle East and other places, then I mean that influence could be endless from China. Because they do it quietly, because they're not looking for show, they're looking for facts. They want they're results. The they want results. We, they want, they, and but they're getting it, and right. they're doing it, and right. they've they've interfered in our country. They've interfered in other countries. They, the, um, you know, they have technological abilities, and the money. Obviously, if they whatever they need, they'll get because uh, people can suffer as well there. And and as long as the government achieves its goals, uh, it, first goal was you know energy. Uh, and that's why they made this deal with Iran. They make the deal with others. They also have the Belt and Road, which is creating hubs across from China all the way across to Europe, uh, which will is not just simply an economic plan. It's a political plan. It's it's a chance for them to to assert themselves. And you see their growing uh, presence in in other areas. Uh, and you know, people think that it's a localized uh, challenge between China, Taiwan, uh, in the seas, and and but ask the Philippines, ask others mm-hmm. what their concern is about about Chinese involvement, Chinese involvement in in Africa. And by the way, Turkey also building bases in Africa. Iran is in Africa. Um, the you know, and there's all these attempts to to radicalize the Muslim populations and convert people to Islam, but radical Islam. Boy, boy, the uh, the Netanyahu outreach to Africa may may prove to be a lot more beneficial than we thought it would be. It's very important, and you know, Malawi announced this week that they would open an embassy in Jerusalem. Chad said they were going to follow. Wow. Um, they would be the first countries in Africa to have embassies in Jerusalem. Uh, Kosovo and Serbia, obviously, is not clear exactly what the decision, what the agreement was, but they signed an agreement in Washington. And in that agreement, and again to the credit administration, was a commitment to move their embassy to Jerusalem. Uh, but I don't think that we're going to see that immediately. Um, but the but you're right in in the situation in Africa. And while people again don't look at those situations and don't necessarily look at Asia, look at the South America, other places where you have 
Venezuela being supported both by Turkey and mostly by Iran. Um, and we just seized the ship and it was brought to the United States that of oil that was being sent by Iran to to Venezuela in violation of the of the sanction dual violations on the Iranian side and the Venezuelan side. Um, Egypt, by the way, this week you saw they arrested the head of the Muslim Brotherhood, which right. is a very important move on their part, but they're still being challenged, and so are most of the other countries. And, you know, the Arab League this week remarkably rejected the PA complaint against the UAE for the relationship. We see the changes in the Arab world because they're looking at the very realities we're discussing and saying, and not you know very, what, we got we got to face this, this new situation. And just think of how short a time ago they would have sided with the, the PA on that. Well, as you know, I visited this region for the last 20 years. I believe that along that it, there were opportunities, and on, on the ceremony on Tuesday at the White House, uh, it's the first peace agreement in 26 years, but, it, but look at the remarkable nature of this peace treaty, as opposed even to the Jordanian and Egyptians, which is really treaties between governments, not the people. Here, you have widespread support amongst the people. I think mean, 80% of Emiratis um, uh, supported, and even the, you know, the vast majority of people there are not Emiratis. They're foreign workers and others. Um, but the, you know that they issued an order in Abu Dhabi on yesterday and which sent me in the middle of the night, and it was remarkable that they every hotel in Abu Dhabi has to have kosher products on their room service menu designated. <laughs> they have to part of every kitchen has nah. to be made kosher with supervision, and the OU is now going in, and it's going to be the official supervisors. But if you know, last year I brought a large group to, to the UAE, we had this kosher program. We brought a mashkiach from uh, South Africa, and this time this year in, in Saudi Arabia, where we had kosher, glad kosher food the whole week. The government and all of that we set up working with the locals, uh, Ross Creel and others uh, in the community, who set up a kosher catering. Now there's a restaurant in, in Dubai, kosher restaurant. There's going to be more. Now I can go, Malcolm. You know my greatest... 100 people signed up for Pesach programs, and there are no Pesach programs yet. <laughs> you know my greatest fear of traveling. I won't have anything to eat. So now I can go to the UAE. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world of web at NahumSiegel.com on the Nahum Siegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Um, I, I know it's it, it's sort of silly because we should be, I mean, I should be celebrating like everybody else this agreement, and of course I do, but the way you describe it in the 80% statistic, why, how would you explain why it took this long to get to this point? Like, why wasn't this done, I don't know, five or six or ten years ago? Well, because the countries had to come to the realization the Palestinians have managed to alienate everybody because they see the corruption. They say, we give them billions of dollars. It ends up in the pockets of the leaders. There's never resolution. Their refusal to participate in any of the negotiations to really be forthcoming, to take advantage of the opportunities, whether it leads to an agreement or not. They're saying, look, you know, uh, and leaders in our world have told me, if you ask my people today what's the top 10 issues, 20 issues, 30 issues, they won't make it. The Palestinian issue won't make it. Right. It is an obstacle, as you see with Saudi Arabia. They right. say, you know, we can't 
uh, have official recognition until this issue is resolved. I know Morocco, others, um, because of the domestic situations and others, that, they, that this is a stumbling block, but it's not anymore that they're carrying the banner and they have the sympathy for the regime, maybe for the people. But that's one. The real driving force is Iran. Iran has driven them all together and the absence of the West. Wow. And they're saying, who can we turn to? And it turns out that the country they say was destabilizing, was a danger, turns out to be the stabilizing country. And we know that goes through Gilgul and it goes through changes. You know, this week they unveiled the pipeline, it became the center of attention, public attention, a pipeline that was built by Israel and Iran in a joint project from Ashkelon to, to Eilat, where they used to take oil, or continue to, because super tankers can go there, uh, and that can't go through the Suez Canal, it's also cheaper, and they this pipeline, it's 151 miles, goes and takes the the oil to a lot, but it also, unlike uh, other pipelines, it goes back too, so you could ship both ways. So, uh, uh, oil coming from the, coming to Europe can go to the Red Sea port and then get shipped to to the Mediterranean, uh, which saves time and 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 uh, money. So, but now it's been made public. So you see that Israel and Iran were working together. Iran then came under these extremist influences and and the revolution after the Shah, etc. And, and now, because of the UAE deal, it opens up all all sorts of new po- possibilities. And so countries said, "Look who who's got all the these advantages of." They all talk about the high tech, the startup nation, the remarkable achievements. Whether it's water self sufficiency, agricultural sufficiency, post harvest reclamation. I mean, you can go through the whole list of things where Israel has pioneered, and all of those are things that they need. And quietly, quietly, these things have been growing. I mean, Israeli businessmen going to the UAE for for a long period, uh, even to some of the other countries, which I won't mention specifically, but there's much more going on than people know. So there came this slow realization that, you know, our future, we can't rely on the West, we can't rely on outside parties. There's one here who's they said to me in this language uh, that we can run on against the enemy, and the enemy is Iran. Right. And they are working, and there are many more clandestine things that go on in which they cooperate, but uh, you will soon see joint exercises, you will see other things that, that will take place. Bottom line, our future is with Israel. That's what they're saying. Our future is with Israel. Anybody who doesn't see it today, after when you see the situation in New York and uh, the detestable conditions that have been created, and um, uh, in other forget, parts of the United States, don't forget Portland, Seattle, Atlanta, Chicago, and many others. I say across yep. the United States, yep. and the you know you, you certainly you see the numbers of people applying for Aliyah or wanting to go to Israel are are going up. And now people who are not even from the Jewish community are saying our future is with Israel, which is amazing. Uh, the only way we'll be protected, the only way we'll be able to advance in the, in the Gulf region is with Israel at our side, with Israel as a partner. Um, so the uh, one of the th- – and you may tell me that this is – you know that, that there's absolutely no truth to this, but I would assume that because the prime minister has to leave the country because of Tuesday's – ceremony that's going to put him between a rock and a hard place because Israel, unfortunately, is going through such a devastating period now, and we in the New York area know what a devastating period is when it comes to COVID, uh, that it's probably bad optics to see him leave the country, or it's such a big deal and treaty, 
uh, you know, at the White House that it's irrelevant that he has to go. Which one is it? Uh, no, I think the former is true that it, it was debated. It was. You know, there were people who raised questions about it, asking if I get off to be quarantined here for 14 days before, but home. But he's flying in a, in a private plane uh, as opposed to the rest of the um, team, or going in another plane. Um, they they uh, obviously they have to protect the, the prime minister from the dangers. I hope at the ceremony, uh, which I'll probably attend, though I'm not 100 percent certain yet what what we're going to do. Um, uh, you know, that they will take proper precautions there because, you know, generally White House ceremonies, you see that people don't wear masks and right. other things. Close but you have three important delegations coming. Um, I, I think it's it's being properly marked. It is a celebration. It is something to commemorate and to encourage others. I hope other leaders will come, though I think, again, Corona is going to interfere with a lot of people's plans and and people are hesitant to to go to any kind of gathering of this kind which has some legitimacy but the um uh but the prime minister is in a very difficult circumstance you see the demonstrations against him uh blaming him for covid the covid 4000 cases yesterday more over 4000 uh that the death toll continues to rise um but 10% positivity rate which is which you know we know is is tremendous. Yeah, in New York, it's less than one yeah. percent, and and it's done, they've done well with that here. But the the you know, but people shouldn't take for granted they got to wear masks. I, I know there are a lot in the community who don't. It's a mistake, and a, a mistake for which we can pay prices uh, later. I've seen some of the unfortunate um, calls we get about emergency cases still. Yeah. And I, I think people, are, you know, often lapse into taking things for granted. There will be a shutdown in Israel starting on Rosh Hashanah for two weeks. That's a definite? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that means people won't be in Shul Rosh Hashanah. That likely could mean people won't go to Shul. I'm sure they will, others will violate it. I'm sure others will find, you know, some, I'm sure there will be some accommodation. But, yes, it's going to be a, a complete clampdown. They need to do it. You have to take control of the situation. Wow. Um, have you made a 100% decision to be there in Washington or you're still deciding? No, I'm still deciding. And, um, and I know there was an issue also that members of the prime minister's family are traveling to America with that other plane, I would assume, right? No, with him. Oh, with him. And that was an issue because people, again, there's the optics. It doesn't look great that people are. No, it's the optics of, you know, in Israel, everything gets exploited and everything it uh, becomes yeah. politicized. So why is it like this? I've spoken to people in Israel in the last 24 hours, and here's what I heard. I heard Haredim. I heard Arabs. I heard people in Tel Aviv don't take it serious. I've heard every theory of who's the, of the schools, the the protests. I've heard every theory. Weddings. Weddings. I've heard every theory of what, why is. They're all right. They're all right. They are all right. So people. And everything and the experts that I've spoken to in Israel and people, these are all contributing factors, as it's been true here. Look, a lot of the. The outbreaks in our community came from people who went to weddings and others. But why? Ha- but but Texas, Texas opened early and it settled down, and Georgia opened early and it settled down. Arizona yeah, but they opened keep early. having resurgences again. Florida, Texas, others. You look at the pattern around the country; it's almost unpredictable. And and yet they say this is not the second or third wave that that they've been predicting that that could still come, and especially combined with the flu season. So everybody should go now get a flu shot if, mm-hmm. after they ask their doctors, but. They, you know, we got to protect people because that double whammy could be very bad. I mean, this thing with Rosh Hashanah, I mean, 
I'm assuming there's still meetings between now and next Friday that'll happen, you know, in the Knesset. I mean, certain groups may go nuts that, 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 you know, there'll be a complete lockdown for your annual kipper. Well, originally there were discussions that there would be exemptions and that shuls, but you know, the Gary Rebbit closed his base medrash for Rosh Hashanah. 30,000 people come to it. There are others. The great synagogue in Jerusalem is closed for Rosh Hashanah. People have small minyanim and like, like we have here and outdoors and tents and other, you know, locations. Yeah, but, wow. But, but I don't know. Honestly, I don't know whether, how, how the authorities will deal with the, the circumstances, but clearly it's because nefesh. There's a no, I there's get no it. doubt yeah. today that I get it. I'm just shocked people will go along with it. That, that's the shock. Uh, they won't. You know, they won't in, in certain places, and it's true here. It's true there, and, and that's a mistake. You know, people think that because they had it, that they can't give it to others. It's not true. And you know, they wear masks to protect themselves, or you wear masks to protect others, or both. Mm-hmm. And and we we have to do what we can because it can come back and we see a resurgence. It happens fast. It's like uh, these fires and can ravage communities very quickly. Two more points on the UAE thing. Um, Saudi Arabia has basically given Israel carte blanche at this point. Like Israel just has uh, overflight, and that's it. And, and that's anything, not just UAE flights, right? I mean, I would assume that if they're flying anywhere. Well, Israel, it, it, it means that flights to the UAE, I think, are three and a half hours now. Right. That flights, they can also fly over Bahrain. Right now, it was going to the UAE, but the, and the UAE could be a waypoint for them then to fly to the Far East, because usually they had to fly all the way around. Right. This way, it can fly direct. So, but flying it over... It will make the trips much shorter, and I think that... I, I, I didn't see that they are restricting it. I think they said there could be flights, which means means the flights going... Right. That Israel, that El Al could fly directly to the Far East, right. which would make Israel a hub, and Israel and the UAE could share, and then also direct from Israel to the Far East. Did the Prime Minister of Israel have to approve of the U.S. arms sale to the UAE? I, I don't. I really don't know. Um, is it possible? You know, there was disputes. Wait, wait, wait. Is it a believable report that he has to approve it, or that? It was inclu- that it, it, it. I don't think it's part of the deal. I do think that there was some understanding. Um, Israel still objects to the sale, but you know, it, it, the first planes I don't think are delivered till 2028 or right. something like that. And uh, the U.S. said that they will guarantee the qualitative edge, but we don't know who Israel has to look at ahead. Who they don't know who the president will be or what will be, how that will be fulfilled. So it, it's a concern because it's not because the UAE having it now. It's what happens if there's a change in government? What happens if you right. know, the radicals take over? We learned the lesson from Iran in 79. Yep. So that is the concern that they raise. Uh, if you were a member of the Norwegian government, would you recommend a Nobel Peace Prize for President Trump because of the UAE deal? Look, I just think it's too late. I think that the, the prize is announced in, in less than two weeks. So I don't think that... that and so I don't it was, think it was that just they, stick? And knowing, and knowing the Danes and, and the Scandinavians generally, I don't think they would be inclined to do anything that would honor uh, President Trump or recognize... Uh, so one member of parliament just wanted to get into the newspaper. <laughs> well, people uh, I mean, people thought that the three countries should should get it like they did with the uh, when Rabin and Arafat and right. all this got the Peace Prize. Um, you know, the, the conditions for it are not always clear. Right. Uh, so... 
but you knowing the mentality and the, the the activities, we see the rise of anti-Semitism in these countries in Sweden, Denmark. That now Denmark this week is considering legislation that will ban uh, all brismila, all circumcision for non-health-related things, meaning for religious purposes, and it's going to pass the parliament, even though the, the prime minister and others object to it. Uh, they have the vote to pass it. And we know that, uh, you know, the bans on shechita, which are, are still being uh, circulated around, the bans on, on brismila, are usually the indicators. And the countries that always purport themselves, you know, to be so moral, sure. the fact is anti-Semitism <laughs> is rampant, that we, we see them doing very little to counter it, and the rise of extremist uh, groups in those countries, as we've seen here in our own country, are really scary. Finally, Malcolm, the whole budget issue, which I thought was supposed to dissolve the Israeli government, what they do? They just uh, they just de- delayed Take it. The they can ju- down the road. For so they put they, days. so they pushed the deadline, and they just keep, days. and until we and, hear otherwise, they'll keep pushing it. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they say you know who knows what will be in a hundred days. You know, we, we could be uh, find, find another great reservoir of gold and silver, and it will solve our economic problems, <laughs> or something else, or our Felix and Russia Shana will really be accepted, and Israel, but. You know, it's it's the political situation is still very unstable. The coalition, I, I don't think anybody would would place bets on how long it will last. Um, the, the fact epi- is that they got past this because the Israeli people did not want a fourth election right. in in uh, you know a short period of time, a year and a half. The opinion piece that from the Jerusalem Post that says that Netanyahu against government is a failure, pure and simple. I, I think everyone's starting to agree with that. I mean, just it it, lo- it looks ridiculous already. And you're right, by the way, that that. This whole issue of not bringing them to a fourth election, as long as they keep delaying this thing, they'll get to a point where it doesn't seem like the fourth anymore. It'll seem like the first in the next round. Yeah, and, and you know, with the, the trial starting for Netanyahu coming up, there, right. there are, uh, you know, the, uh, there are a lot of other circumstances that they, that they people have to look at to um, uh, determine. And, and, they, and, of course, what they look at is the polls. Right. So there's no incentive for some of the others to go to it because they see that even if there's a lot of anti-BB feeling, the right is likely to have, again, control. So they, they gain nothing from uh, politically. Um, Yeshatid is the strongest opposition. Bennett is the big beneficiary, yeah. the MENA party. He's all over the uh, place now. Uh, getting, uh, gaining in numbers, but uh, I don't I don't know whether people, when they really go to the polls, will do that. BB has managed to pull it off. We'll have to see how long he can to extend this. The demonstrations, you know, continue unabated. But you know, even that, it's, his numbers and polls still amongst his followers is still strong. All right, Malcolm. Next week, our final weekly update of the year. And if you're in Washington this coming week, you'll have a full report for us about the ceremony. Even though not there, I'll get you a full report. There you but, go. Uh, God willing, <laughs> but uh, we will uh, we will get together and. Mitzvah be able to end the year with happy news and, and good reports. Please, God, have a wonderful Shabbos, and thanks for good joining Shabbos. us. Thank Malcolm you. Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Friday's weekly update here at JM in the AM. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, and right now enjoy a 10% discount when you go to kosherdogs.net and use promo code radio, kosherdogs.net. Make sure to use promo code radio. Try A&H today. You'll be very, very happy with my recommendation when you do. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candlelighting in New York at 6.50.
This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading the Parshios of Nitzavim and Vayelach. It is the last Shabbos of the year. We have to make the most of it. The parashios of Nitzavim and Vayelech. Nitzavim has 40 psukim. Vayelech has 30 psukim. Together, two short parashios. Exceedingly rich. Nitzavim does not have any of the mitzvos of the Tariag, according to the Chinuch. However, I call your attention and please take a look at chapter 30 in Parshas Nitzavim, where the Torah prophesizes, better word, the Torah promises that the Jewish people will do tshuva. The Torah says in chapter 30, Pasuk 1, where all the Jews are going to be dispersed. Wherever you are, you're going to literally come on, come and take it to your heart. You will return. And what are we told in Pasuk 3? Hashem will bring back your captivity. The only thing that's not here are the words nefesh benefesh, but the idea that we are going home, the idea that we are living in special times, the idea that we are living these psukim, and we pray that it's begun in our day. It should only continue the tshuva movement, please God, by all of us participating therein. Parshas Vayelech according to the Chinuch, contains Mitzvah 6.12 and Mitzvah 6.13. Mitzvah 6.12 is the Mitzvah of Hakel. Once in every seven years, following the Shemitah year, on the Yom Tov of Sukkos, on the first day of Cholamoed Sukkos, except if it falls on a Shabbos, on the next day, the entire nation is to come to the Beis Hamikdash, and there, on a wooden platform, the King of Israel reads the Torah to the entire Jewish nation. Everybody passes through. You stay for a moment. You hear the King. This incredible parade of men, women, and children. This incredible collection of the entire Jewish people is, writes the Rambam, reminiscent of Sinai. And just as at Sinai, the Jewish nation as a whole received the Torah and realized the centrality of Torah in their life, that is exactly what the mitzvah of Hakil was to remind them of the centrality of Torah in their life. And the 613th mitzvah 
found in chapter 31, verse 19, according to the Rambam, is, and now, Kisvu Lachem write this song, and the rabbis tell us this is the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. Every Jew is enjoined to be able to please God, either write for themselves or commission a Sofer to write a Sefer Torah for you. And the Rush, in his commentary, writes that this mitzvah includes the having a Jewish library, each person in their home, so that you don't have to go and knock on the next person's door. Can I borrow in yesteryear your Sefer Torah? Can I borrow your Chumash, your Siddur? And then there are, after the Chumash and the Siddur, the basic books that every Jewish home should have. Depending upon your stage of knowledge, you should have a code of Jewish law to be able to study what is to be done, what is not to be done. And thank God today there is so much available in whatever is your language. You're comfortable with English? There's so much out there. And there's so much out there in Russian and in other languages as well that thank God we can fulfill the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah slash gathering for ourselves and utilizing within our homes a Jewish library. I'd like to focus at the beginning of Parshas Nitzavim, whereby the Torah tells us, Atem Nitzavim Ayom Kulchem, you are standing today, all of you. Now what day is this? So if you're looking at the verse, literally, it's the day of Moshe's passing. The Zohar, however, says that the day is not referring only and specifically to that one day back in Jewish history, but it's referring to every single year on Rosh Hashanah. Atem Nitzavim Hayom, you the Jewish people, and that's why we read this every year on the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah. Says the Zohar, the Hayom is Rosh Hashanah, that the Jewish people are standing, and how are you standing? Kulchem, literally all of you. And allow me to explain the significance of that word, Kulchem. The Tur, in his commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, begins the laws of Rosh Hashanah by quoting a medrash. And the medrash is in the name of Rabbi Hanino and Rabbi Yoshua, who say, who is like the Jewish people? Namely, the norm in the world is that an individual who's on trial for his life is going to be dressed in black, is going to be unkempt. He doesn't care how he looks. He's not necessarily going to trim his beard or cut his nails because he doesn't know what his fate is going to be. Is he going to live? Is he going to die? Avo Yisrael, the Jewish people, ain't okay. 
We are not that way. Lov shim levonim. We wear white garments. Many with a kittel. We wear and we dress appropriately for Rosh Hashanah. This atfim levonim. We put on altalesim. Begalchim zakonim mechatchim tzipurneim. We prepare, we bathe before and take haircuts before Rosh Hashanah. And ochlin vishosim berosh Hashanah. And we eat and drink on Rosh Hashanah. Why? Continues the Medrash. The Fisha Yodim, the Jewish people know. Shakurish Baruchu Yaselahem Nais, that God is going to perform a miracle for them. Namely, that we are going to be proven successful, victorious in our judgment. And therefore, we bathe, we take haircuts prior to Rosh Hashanah. Now, wait a second. Something is wrong here. We know that on Rosh Hashanah we don't say Halel because Sifrei Chaim and Sifrei Mesim, books of the living and the dead, are open before God in the Nisan Etokev. Mi Yechia umi Yomus. It's determined. It's a day of judgment. Who is going to live and who is going to die? Where is there room for optimism as we go into Yom Rosh Hashanah? And the Alta of Kelm gives a beautiful answer. And he says as follows. Each individual definitely has to be worried. Each individual has to be afraid. What's going to be? And each individual cannot rely upon the miracle. However, Atem Nitzavim Ayom, the Jewish people, are standing today in Rosh Hashanah. Why? Kulchem. Because you are a people. Because you are together. Klal Yisrael, the unity of Israel, the nation of Israel, for them, God will perform a miracle. Netzach Yisrael lo yishoker. Or, as it says in Parshas Vayelech, one of the most beautiful phrases in the Torah. And you can argue with me on this. You can have your own. But I'm going to tell you that in chapter 31, verse 21, the Torah says, Ki lo mi You know what Hashem promises? over 3,000 years ago, that Torah will never be forgotten from the Jewish people. Pinch yourself, my friends, that we have and we're living and we know and we'll get there in a moment in such challenging, difficult times. But with it all, Torah will never be forgotten from the Jewish people. And therefore, how do we go into Rosh Hashanah? by making sure that we are a person that rabim tzrichim lo, that the community needs you. Be a community person. There's so many different ways, there's so many different venues that you, with your talents, can teach, can help financially, can help literally. In this time, unfortunately, there are people, there are shuls that are building outdoor places for prayer on Rosh Hashanah. So, you're more handy, Get out there and help them put up the tents. That's one way of doing it. There's so many ways, Lo'alenu. If somebody's being quarantined, come on. Who's going to bring them their food? 
you've got to be not just concerned about yourself, but the more you're concerned about the Jewish people as a people, the more will be your successful ticket on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. My friends, just stop and think and listen. Who knew last Rosh Hashanah that there would be a pandemic this year? Who knew last Rosh Hashanah that we would be suffering these last six months with not being able to be a real cloud person, to be unfortunately disconnected from one another for so many weeks and months to not even be able to go into the Beisach Knesset? Who knew? And if we did know last year, Rosh Hashanah, how different our tefillos would have been then. Korov Hashem l'chol korov. Hashem is close to all who call to Him. L'chol Hashem yikra'uhu. To all who call to Him. What's the next words, my friend? You know, be'emes. In truth, Rosh Hashanah is a day of truth. Rosh Hashanah is a day that says, my goodness, we are living in a period of Charon Af. And that's another passage from this week's parsha. Moshe prophesizes in Parsha's Vayelech. I'll show you the pasuk. Ouch. Hashem says there will be times when there's going to be Chora Api Vo Bayom This is chapter 31, verse 17. That Hashem's anger is going to be there. And where do you see Hashem's anger? You see it in the pandemic. Where do you see Hashem's anger? In the fires of California. Where do you have such hot temperatures, etc.? He, Hashem, is demanding from us. And He's giving us the opportunity for change. This Rosh Hashanah cannot be like any other Rosh Hashanah. It's got to be different. As we say after the Nisan Tokev, Tshuva, don't look at the next guy. Every one of us is different. But the idea is, the rabbis teach us, that each and every one of us is to look upon ourselves as if we are half and half. Half good, that's correct, and half the other. There's room for improvement. Don't say I'm so much better than the next guy. No. And therefore, when I improve myself, it's not just me who I am improving, but you have to look at the entire world as if the world was half and half. And therefore, your improvement is not only making you better, but this is how you can help the cloud, each and every one of us. Interesting. The Magefa is called Dever. Why might it be called Dever? Because it comes from the Hebrew word Dibur. And this is a way that Hashem is speaking to us. It's not by chance. But each person has to ask themselves, what is it that Hashem is asking from us? And what He's asking from me is not what He's asking from you. And what He's asking from you is not what He's asking from the next one. But each one has to look into themselves deeply and see what they can do at this time. And so, at this last Shabbos of the year, just like when it comes to Ne'ilah, 
Achar Asof, it all goes after the end, and we put so much positive energy into Ne'ilah. So too, how can we make the last Shabbos more meaningful than other Shabbosos? For those that, it hurts my mouth to say it, it hurts your ears to hear it. But for those that are on their phone, God forbid, texting or worse on Shabbos, the answer is no. That's correct. And we've got to make sure that teenagers can't think that you can still keep Shabbos and be on that phone. Wrong. We have to speak honestly and openly and realize that he is asking from each and every one of us to just pull the belt that little bit tighter, that notch, to say, Hashem, I am responding to you, B'emes, and we hope and pray that he will respond to us appropriately and therefore give each and every one of us May the year, with its unfortunate tragedies, be behind us. May it be, please God, the forthcoming year, one of brachos. And each and every one of us must contribute to make that happen. Shabbat Shalom. To all. J.M. in the A.M. at 20 minutes before 9 o'clock on this Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Of course, Erev Shabbos, both Nitzavim and Vayelech. Candlelighting at 6.50 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Rabbi Wilhelm is standing by. I just, I, I gotta, I gotta uh, just uh, uh, take a minute and wish a major, major mazel tov uh, to such unbelievable. Anybody who's a, uh, a um, longtime listener of this show knows how close the Bodner's and the seagulls are. And to wake up, and I woke up real early this morning, <laughs> to wake up to the news this morning that the Bodner family and the Smith family has a major mazel tov was just unbelievable. So happy, so incredible. Uh, Joey Bodner, as you know, is, is my brother, even though we're not really related, but he's my brother. And uh, Ruthie's a sister. And uh, to, uh, to, to, to wake up to this amazing news was just incredible. So let me take this opportunity to wish a mazel tov uh, to Neil Bodner and to Ahava Smith. Ahava from down in Miami Beach, I am told. Uh, Neil from Teaneck, New Jersey. They are a very, very recently engaged couple. We say mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And, of course, to uh, Ruthie and Joey and to uh, Jill and David Smith. We say Mazal Tov. What amazing news. Uh, Neil Ahava, Mazal Tov to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. So like that is a great way to wake up to news like that. And a special, special Mazal Tov uh, to Ruthie and Joey from Stacy and the entire Siegel family and from all of us, of course, here at JM in the AM. On this Erev Shabbos Friday morning, I told you that uh, we'd be speaking with uh, Rabbi Wilhelm from out in Portland, Oregon, and I thank him. I don't know what his usual schedule is, but after all, uh, there's no doubt that uh, he is, uh, he, he, he's probably, um, he probably experiences a bit more of quiet time at this, uh, uh, at this hour of the day out in Portland. Um, but we asked him to check in early with us, and uh, sure enough, he's doing just that. Rabbi Mutti Wilhelm, 
is the rabbi and executive director of the Chabad Center for Jewish Life. You'll find them on Southwest Vermont Street in Portland, Oregon, a city that has really, really been in the news recently. Rabbi Wilhelm, Shana Tova, and welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning and Shana Tova. Um, so first of all, give it, we'll talk about the specific episode and why I connected with you, but I'm just trying to get a perspective. You know, here in the peaceful, faith-based community, I could give you a perspective of how we viewed what was going on during the height of the protests and looting in the New York area and in neighborhoods that surround us. What's been happening in Portland, it seems to us from all the way over here, uh, from the news reports, has been nonstop over the last three, four months. And I'm wondering if you could give us a perspective from the faith-based family value community like the one you lead of the of the bedlam that's going on in Portland, Oregon. Well, good morning. And I think the perspective really comes from Pirkei Yavis, which is, have a we need to pray for a stability of government, for a safe environment, for a place that, you know, law and order uh, is in, reigns and there isn't chaos. And I think that that's what we've done for, that's what Kali has been instructed to done for for thousands of years. And indeed, when there's such chaos, it's not a good thing for us. That's an understatement. I don't think it's good for anybody. Uh, do you have any faith? Do people like yourself and other community leaders have any faith that the local government can at some point get a handle on what's going on? Clearly the government is struggling with this. I just want to add a dimension here. It's ironic that I speak to you this particular morning because now I, I, on top of the protest, there's actually wildfires burning across Oregon. Right. Uh, we have to close our schools today because of the dangerous air quality. So the chaos is just adding to chaos. People of our community are displaced, uh, had to evacuate their homes. People from other communities lost their homes. And so this is in addition to over 100 days of protest. So there's, there's a lot of uh, tension, a lot of anxiety. There's clearly uh, a lot of questioning of whether local leadership is able to get a handle on it. And I think that for over 100 days, they haven't. And like I said, you know, my perspective is this we really have to dive in and we have to try and support that a government is able to uh, take control and able to, you know, exercise a law and order over its people. And we, and we should mention, not as an aside, but obviously as a very, and this was the issue that finally got me to contact you, it, it is your Chabad center that was the victim of arson, am I right? Yes, so there were two fires over there. They're still under arson investigation, and, it, you know, we don't know the reason. There has, they haven't told us, you know, any, there wasn't any spray paint, or they didn't send any messages, but clearly the sense, the chaos, and the, law, and the lawlessness, uh, and the tension and anxiety and everything that was going on was clearly contributors to the fact that the Hamas was set on fire twice. Uh, and and the damage? Could you assess it for us? The damage is very very severe. I, I was in there yesterday with an asbestos uh, tester who had to come on behalf of the insurance company, and just going in, the, the place is completely destroyed. It's it's all the walls are black. There's uh, we have a store inside over there called Everything Jewish. We used to supply fill and mezuzahs, talisim. I mean, over 60 mezuzahs are, uh, were consumed, eight pairs of fill. But the entire, the, the damage is 
is to its entirety, that whole building is going to have to be taken to the ground. I, um, what ha- before that occurred, were you having any any uh, regular services? Were you having regular gatherings? I know that obviously with the corona situation, the regular is, you know, in quotation marks, but was the building in use before it was burnt down? So, like I said, we also, in addition to our dominance over there, which because of corona we had to kind of, we, we did outside and our right. schedule's a little differently, but we had inside a Judaica shop and a, a resource center called Everything Jewish, where people would come right. and would buy all, all their merchandise, uh, you know, what they would need, Talisim, Sidurim, Chumashim, and uh, that was open, that was, that was there. Uh, fortunately, suffered a lot of incredible amount of loss, and the you know people meeting there one on one wasn't. Of course, we weren't able to hold all, all our shiurim in person like we would have otherwise. How long have you been in Portland? So my father is the headsman in Portland. He was sent out 36 years ago. Interestingly, when he was sent, the the rabbi's secretary, Rabbi Chadikov sent him off with the message. He said, you're like a firefighter. That was his message. <laughs> he said, you're like a firefighter. He said, when they call the fire station and they say, someone, we need somebody, you know, there's a fire burning, the person has to respond right away. They can't say, I'll respond in a few months. And he said, you have to go out there and respond to the need for Jewish education. Uh-huh. And you have nothing else to do. There's no place else to go. Don't pass. Go. Don't collect 200. Go and respond to the need. Um, and, and I would assume, and I'm just making an assumption, that until six months ago, the Portland Jewish community was enjoying a relative, uh, you know, nice existence in the city, and that you know, and and that the city was much different than it is now. Yeah, but Portland has a beautiful Jewish community. It's uh, and the, this particular Chabad house is in a Jewish neighborhood where there's other shuls and there's JCC and schools and. And we have our mix over there and others, and it's a it's a beautiful area. There's a, there's Meiruf. There's uh, it's it was a very nice, and it still continues to be a, a beautiful area. Though right now, like you're saying, we're going through this tension all across the city. I mean, not only here, but through, throughout the community. I don't want to put pressure on you, but the, our impression always is that Chabad rabbis have a really strong relationship with local government officials. I mean. Uh, are people turning to you to represent the community and 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 approach these government officials to to wake them up to the situation and to to, to implement a, a stronger law and order attitude? Yeah, we we do try to talk with government officials. As you also know, we don't get involved politically. Our our uh, mission is more of a mission of sharing the values and so on. Uh, so that's something that we're doing. It's it's an incredibly a hectic time to try to speak to the government officials. I was trying to speak to our arson investigator yesterday. And he was telling me how he saw the wildfires burning. He's like, you know, things are, everything is crazy over there and uh, on many levels. So it's a hard time to kind of get anything through during the fire, you know, both figuratively and, and factually. Right. But but uh, we're definitely here to share the message. Rabbi Wilhelm, how do we help rebuild the shul? I, I know I'm going to be sending in a donation in the next few minutes. I'm sure there are others listening who want to play a part. Would it be jportland.com, or would there be another website where people should donate? On jportland.com, you'll find donate. There's, it, the direct link is jportland.com. 
jportland.raisegiving.com, jportland.raisegiving.com. Before this happened, we had a vision to build a $6 million campus that would properly house our schools and our schools and everything, and it looks like Hashem wants us to accelerate that, so we're going to move forward as fast as we can and trying to build something much more beautiful and much more significant to be able to share the message of Torah and Mitzvah here in Portland. That's Jay Portland. Uh, Jay Portland at Ray's Giving, like R A I S C. JayPortland.RaysGiving.com. But Jay Portland, we take you there as well. JayPortland.com, and there'll be a, there's a link there. All right, and it is Ray's Giving, R A I S E. Yes. JayPortland.RaysGiving.com. Yes. Uh, for yes. those who, for those who want to help out. Now, when I first contacted you. Uh, you mentioned to me in conversation that uh, that you'd like to spend a minute speaking about the message, the mission, and the work of, of Chabad, both in Portland and everywhere. Those who are listeners to this show on a regular basis uh, are, are lucky that they get to hear this uh, a type of discussion regularly. We are the biggest fans of the work of Chabad in every corner of the world. Um, what could you tell us? You mentioned Jewish education. You mentioned community, family values, etc. How would you... Uh, how would you sum up uh, what it is that you and so many others are doing in cities like Portland around the world? Well, essentially, we are connecting the individual hidden wherever they are in the world. And that's the message of this week's parish, of course, the Atem Nitzavim Hayan Kulchem. We are all stand together, you know, from Rashechem, Shitechem, from the very, very great, but we have to even go out and find the Chaytev Itzacha Vashoyev Meidacha. And that's our goal, is to really bring about that that unity of the Jewish people, bringing together all the Jewish people wherever they are, connecting us in some way and connecting the Yidden together with each other and the Yidden with Yiddishkeit and, of course, with the Torah and the And you're doing an amazing job at it, and I'm sure a lot of people in Portland are the beneficiaries of your work and your family's work because because we, we, we should mention, am I right, that uh, in all these cities around the world, it's in fact the Chabad families that are reaching out and having such an effect on so many others uh, in their local communities? Absolutely. I think the shluchim play the smaller role, the shlucha plays the even larger role, and the children, they play the main role. Oh, really? You would say the children play the main role? That's pretty cool. <laughs> Absolutely. People see kids, children growing up in in a way that the child observes Yiddishkeit and the child who has the highest and the mitzvahs, that's the most effective aspect of the shluchas. Uh, well, I've just donated to the cause, and I hope it helps out a little bit. And, and there are people around the world who are tuned in and want to help out. It's J, letter J, folks, letter J, Portland, dot raisegiving.org, dot com, rather, dot com. Uh, it's a J, Portland, letter J, J, Portland, dot raise, R-A-I-S-E, raisegiving.com. And, uh, give there and help the school rebuild and, we pray for your safety, Rabbi, and the safety of your family and the thousands of Jews in Portland and everybody in Portland, not just our community, but everybody. We're hoping that things can, can eventually get, and sooner rather than later, get under control. And you, like so many other cities around the U.S. that need a real Yeshua right now, the right shliach will step in and just and, and, and get things back into a law and order atmosphere. And stay safe, I beg of you, and have a wonderful Shabbos and a ksivach simatova and continue your amazing work that you do for the Jewish community out there, out west, and please send our best regards to your entire family. Thank you. Rabbi Wilhelm, Chabad in Portland, support the cause and help him rebuild 
literally arsonists destroyed his shul. And um, whether this arson was a was a direct protest or a um, a byproduct of these protests, you know, when all of a sudden everybody in the everybody around there gets into the mood to start destroying stuff, whatever the reason was, um, we need to help rebuild a shul that was burnt down. J Portland, it's letter J jportland.raisegiving.com jportland.raisegiving.com and I just sent a donation I hope others will uh, will follow suit Friday morning JM in the AM as we start wrapping things up don't forget Naomi Nachman is coming up next don't forget that uh, Mark Zamek has an amazing Erev Shabbos show I mean when I say there's absolutely no reason to touch that dial until candle lighting time I mean it has an amazing Erev Shabbos show coming up. I heard most of it this morning between 3 and 6 a.m. Um, so get ready to check that out. Matis on Sunday, on JM Sunday, will interview Rabbi Reuven Spolter. Rabbi Spolter is founder of Kita. He's Matis's guest. 8.20 a.m. Eastern Time is coming Sunday on JM Sunday. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. The sun is going down shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find the gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good job done gonna spend the day together with the holy one say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine man and his creator it's a very special sign your candles will be burning Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing, nothing left to do A gift that's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day Together with the Holy One Say a special blessing On a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator Is a very special sign
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network. And, of course, the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday and a wonderful week here at JM and the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, Naomi Nachman next. Table for two. Mark Zomik, an incredible Arab Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Coming up at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Our Arab Shabbos music mix all day long brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. No need to touch that dial until candle lighting. Simple as that. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Seagull with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. Sunday morning, Matis is JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. And at 8.20 a.m. on Sunday, Matis speaks with Rabbi Ruvain Spalter, founder of Kita. That'll be Matis's guest, 8.20 in the morning on uh, Sunday, on JM Sunday. I will meet you back here on Monday morning. Have a fabulous Shabbos, great weekend. Till next time, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.